And I would be remiss if I didn't give a special word of thanks and deep appreciation to a transgendered person who helped us get this podcasting all set up and who has a web side of her own and her own podcast show, which is, you will find highly interesting, educational, informative, and entertaining. And that's Rebecca Nay, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, and then N-A-Y. And here it is. Here is her uh, website, trannyrec.com. Oh, I love it. Here, I'll spell it for you. T-R-A-N-N-Y-W-R-E-C-K dot com. And of course, I guess you put the www before that. But thank you, Rebecca, for all of your love and support of this ministry. Without you, getting all of this going for the worldwide podcast would have been a lot more difficult, and you helped make the job easy for us. Thanks, Rebecca. I know you're listening. You're listening to Tranny Wreck 36. Podcasting from Portland, Oregon, this is Tranny Rack. On today's show, I'm going to play an interview that I did with a good friend named Tia where we talked about her life as an ex-Mormon with an intersex condition. Don't go anywhere. How the fuck is everybody? Today is Sunday, August 6th. 2006. My name is Rebecca Nay, and you are listening to Tranny Wreck Radio. Whether you are listening through my website, my newly redone website at trannyrec.com, by streaming from that page or my MySpace page, or listening on the Trans FM stream, or whether you are subscribed to this through the ultra free and convenient podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I truly mean that. Um, Let's go ahead and get this show rocking and rolling by playing a song uh, done by our good Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, maybe not. The, the, The artist's name is Act One. The name of the song is Jesus Christ Superstore. Shit, we got a customer. Come on. Welcome to Jesus Christ Superstore. And furthermore, make yourself at home a guy for your sins and give you a tour. It's nice here. 
We only do right here We're light years ahead of pagans Don't worry, they're not here You can drink wine and touch boys But be private about it After all, the sin is only a sin When people found it Burn your books and ostracize the stereos That we got Bible hymns And don't you ever forget We speak tongues Dance around happy as shit Pardon the curse, father That's a Freudian slip so don't sin So I won't let it happen again Have a way to get baptized We should really begin Um, no Well, let me show you some of the other facilities Jesus Christ can offer Please hang out with him and me Our churches have cool steeples Like a big pointed chimney But what's inside is really the thing to see So Jesus is white God's my best friend Gays are the devil I'll be virgin till I'm wed Jesus is white God's my best friend Gays are the devil I'll be virgin till I'm wed Jesus is white God's my best friend Gays are the devil I'll be virgin till I'm wed Jesus is white God's my best friend Best friend Best friend Best friend The people are evil I mean we're really deceitful yeah. I mean, we're really nice And we'll be happy to meet That's you Retreat to the arms of God You won't be harmed at, at all. all We're better than you It's time you got on the ball Once with us You promised eternal bliss after death yeah. Only problem None of us are quite there yet I'm We waiting. might look it and feel it Cause the lies that we're fed Lord, spare me That's NyQuil Medicine head I'm getting a cold But it's because God wishes it so So I accept it Never question anything that I'm told Dip your head in the bath We call it the brainwash It symbolizes washing all of those stains off from filthy sins and even filthy thoughts. But before that, put a buck in the plate, this shit costs. Excuse me, I don't know what's getting into me today. Tides? Tides, anyone? Jesus is white. God's my best friend. Gays are the devil, I'll be virgin till I'm wed. Jesus is white. God's my best friend. Gays are the devil, I'll be virgin till I'm wed. Jesus is white. God's my best friend. Gays are the devil, I'll be virgin till I'm wed. Jesus is white. God's my best friend, best friend, best friend, best friend. We've seen what we have to offer. All of it. And still, it doesn't seem we're getting any closer to a deal With free rosary beads maybe increase the appeal Or what would Jesus do, bump a sticker for the back of the Kia A woman of freaks in a sack, they're needing it bad Don't tell God I said that, I think he would be mad <laughs> See, we can joke and have a good time Just repent right after, and everything's fine Don't listen to outsiders, their word is the devil Even though non-Christian religion hasn't murdered us several And would you believe that we never, not ever Had to publicly apologize, it's cause we are Better. Not to beat a dead horse, a young G's on a cross Amen. I would have thought joining us wouldn't take as long Maybe I messed up and I am saying it wrong Jews died in the holocaust cause Adolf wore an iron cross See what I'm saying my son? Jesus is white God's my best friend. Gays are the devil. I'll be virgin till I'm wed. Jesus is white. God's my best friend. Gays are the devil. I'll be virgin till I'm wed. Jesus is white. God's my best friend. Gays are the devil. I'll be virgin till I'm wed. Jesus is white. God's my best friend. Best friend. Best friend. Best friend. Jesus is my best friend too. That was a fucking great song. I love that, and it's I think very appropriate for a good portion of the subject matter that we're going to be dis- that you're going to hear in this interview that I did quite a while ago uh with a good friend named Tia who basically she grew up in the Mormon church fathered uh I think four or five kids I think it's five kids I can't remember I haven't listened to the interview in a while god I'm fucking fucked up um, 
And uh, later on during, uh, you know, I think it was after about 30 years, uh, the doctors discovered she had an intersex condition. And, oh, she is a very interesting person, not just because of that aspect of her life, but because of everything she's done with her life in spite of the the bullshit that's been flinged at her. And uh, you're going to go ahead and hear about that now. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, Tranny Rec listeners. Today I've got a very good friend of mine who I've known for years. Her name is Tia. And Tia, what we're going to be, what I'm going to be talking about with Tia tonight is uh, several uh, things going on in her life that uh, many could consider unique. Um, the, the one that's less unique is she was born and raised in a Mormon family and Mormon culture. Or she was in, she's been involved with Mormonism a good portion of her life. We'll go into those details. And the other aspect that we're going to focus on in her life tonight is what many would call an intersex condition. Um, and of course, there are many variables to what would uh, could be diagnosed as an intersex condition. And we're going to talk about you know those two things and how that fits into the big picture of who she is. Um, Tia, thank you so much for joining me on Tranny Rec Radio. My pleasure. And um, I'm going to go ahead and lead into this by talking about what is on your business card. On your business card that you give to people, it says, um, Tia, and I'm going to omit the last name for family reasons, um, Renegade Member of the Family of Light. A quote, and then it has in quotes below that, System Buster. Available for altering systems of consciousness within the free you within the free will universe. God, I'm fucking I fucking shitty at reading cards, but uh, Tia, that's there's a lot in that in that right there in that business card. Explain where that comes from, because I'm reading that because I'm reading renegade member of the family of light system buster available for altering systems of consciousness within the free will universe and i'm now i know you personally because we've had many conversations but our my listeners are probably hearing that and going well actually that particular um phrase is a quote from a, a book that was popular about 12 or 14 years ago called bringers of the dawn which is kind of a new age uh, thought-provoking novel that was, uh, uh, or quasi-novel that was out. Uh, for the people that might be interested in that sort of thing, the title was Bringers of the Dawn. Uh, my other business card, the one I actually give to my uh, business associates and my clients, is uh, typically has the title on it, um, Strategy Goddess. Or information goddess. I use those interchangeably. Does that invariably uh, start a uh, conversation about philosophical things with people you're doing first starting to do business with? Often it does. Uh, if they're if I'm handing them a card, they've already begun the conversation in their own mind, because I look like a very bad imitation of Mrs. Doubtfire. 
<laughs> and uh, well, as far as uh, her looks, I think Tia looks fabulous in just her own wonderful way. Um, and we're going to definitely talk about that because uh, her presentation is, I wouldn't call it gender queer, but some people, I, I can see why some people would get confused for the same reasons people will get confused about my gender. Um, Tia, how old were you when you first recognized that you were different? And I, and when I use the term different, I mean multiple con, multi-contextual. Actually, the recognition that I was different uh, was going on. It was an internal discussion for uh, probably 15 years starting in my mid-teens. I couldn't put any kind of a formal uh, physiological observation on it until I was 29. At the age of 29, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and uh, that was the first time since they had some of the modern miracle equipment uh, that they were able to get a real good look at what was inside. And what was discovered at that point in time was that uh, uh, physiologically I had uh, features of both male and female internally. Mm-hmm. And uh, that began explaining a lot of the conflict that I had had emotionally and chemically in my body for the bulk of my lifetime up until then. Thank you. And now, were you born into the Mormon church or did you convert? Uh, My mother was always very proud of the fact that uh, one of her forebears uh, was one of Joseph Smith's bodyguards. And I used to upset the family by pointing out that he wasn't very good at it. Oh, well, and the, and the reason she says that is because Joseph Smith was uh, assassinated, or however you want to put it, uh, by a mob in uh, Illinois. So yeah, apparently his bodyguard sucked. But uh, my mother was always, and still is, she's um, uh, 82 now, and still very, 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 very staunchly, conservatively, uh, Mormon. Okay. And so Mormonism has only been in your family for a very short period of time then. <laughs> only only about 160 years or so. About as almost as long as the church has been around, basically. So whatever generation that is, uh, we won't fucking count that because this isn't a fucking math show, right, Training Rec listeners? Okay. Um, so... How did religion play in uh, to all of this? Were you uh, raised in a very strict Mormon family? Were your parents, I mean, from the time you were very young until uh, the age where you could make your own decisions, were you involved in the Mormon church? Well, as far as my mother is concerned, I haven't reached the age of making my own decisions yet, and and I'm almost 60 years old. Um uh, but in our home life, it was very, very staunchly adhering to the church, and you were you were very active at every facet. And at the same time, uh, because of of my conflicts uh, emotionally and chemically within my body system, 
I was already dealing with uh, a lot of the issues around uh, it being intersex in that um, uh, the Mormon church is so black and white about gender. Oh, trust me, I know all about that one. Um, now, in your own, so so obviously you, we can see how Mormonism has influenced your 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 social structure within your family. Um, how about belief wise? Didn't you? Yeah, you um, obviously at one point in your life got married to a female. Um, and, and had kids and raised and fathered uh, several kids. Uh, how was religion playing a factor in your life during that time? Uh, religion was kind of a um, uncomfortable convenience. Uh, I grew up in, in uh, primarily in Mesa, Arizona, where uh, if you were going to function in Mesa in the 60s, you were Mormon. Uh, there wasn't very much way to function socially or business-wise outside of the church, and um, there was no real way to break with the church at that point in time. And so it was an uncomfortable convenience. Internally, did you believe in the Mormon church, in the doctrines that it taught, and in its overall general message? Uh, I did up until my early teens, and they kept pounding in us to read out of the best books and to study, and to their detriment I did, and um, <laughs> a lot of the materials that I came in contact with that have since proven to be very, very reliable materials uh, indicated to me within my life that the, the Mormon church just wasn't where it was at within my belief system. And uh, so there was another 10 or 15 years beyond that of of being kind of a, a fellow traveler, if you will, uh, of being around the church and cooperating with it, but not really being an ardent member of it. And for the last uh, probably 25 or 30 years, uh, virtually no contact at all. Okay, so for you, um, you fa you started doing an intellectual, um, I guess you, you started looking into the church from an intellectual standpoint in your teen years and started basically, if I understand this, to discover a lot of uh, loopholes and a lot of things that just seemed very inconsistent with uh, uh, your... Uh, the way you, you see things in life. That's very correct. And so, so, so is it safe to say that uh, during the once you discovered uh, uh, your uh, physiological condition and the the gender ambiguity that tied into that, there were no internal there was no internal religious conflict. None whatsoever which makes life a hell of a lot easier. So when when the doctors uh, discovered, uh, you know, your, your, would you mind describing a little bit in, in layman's terms what is going on physiologically with you? Because there are multiple tiers 
or uh, intersexuality is not just simply physiologically being in between, you know, in the middle of being male and female. It's a lot more complicated than that, isn't it? Yes, it's a lot more complex. It's it's complex from the standpoint that uh, much of what we perceive as gender takes place in the brain, mm-hmm. and the brain is very much driven by the various chemistries that different organs in the body produce. And if you have a fundamental distinction in your physiology, which can take place at the, uh, uh, you can have a double XY chromosome, you can have a triple XY chromosome, there are a wide range of chromosomal distinctions. And just to, just to, to break in right there, just for, for our listeners that, the few out there that are probably not f- familiar with the chromosomal makeup, uh, XY is usually male, typically, and XX is female, uh, generally speaking. And chromos- and where did you fall in that range or category? Well, I carried a double XY, but I also had a variety of other conditions. There are a wide range of different uh, chemical and physiological conditions that can contribute towards being intersexed. And the, how often do these occur? Essentially, 1% of the population on this planet is considered intersexed. Now, many of them don't know it. They just know that they're dissatisfied with a wide range of things. Uh, and being intersexed can show up in a wide range of different arenas. Uh, where it's more profound physiologically, it shows up much heavier. And typically, we're talking about um, people that are physiologically distinction from are distinctive from what's considered normal male or normal female. Um, if you want to look at even some of the more uh, esoteric uh, conditions, there are more intersex people on this planet than there are people with cystic fibrosis. There are more intersex people than there are Jewish people on the planet. It's a fairly large population, but one that's little noted or known because most intersex people uh, typically appear as a, a normal male or female. Uh, and, and I might stress that this is distinctly different generally, but not always, from people that are emotionally and, and mentally transgendered. And and uh, so you would say you you in your opinion there's some overlap there. There frequently are overlaps, but they are distinctly separate pools of people. Oh, absolutely, because uh, you know, in my understanding of that is, uh, while while the intersex condition affects what's going on in the mind because of hormones and whatever else is happening in your body, whatever or what have you. Um, Transgenderism, transgenderism, just to kind of lay this all out for all of you, is generally has to do with gender identity and what's happening in the mind. Um, the intersex condition is, is physiological. 
And that's why, you know, the, the term sex is used, because sex is usually either a description of an activity or used as a noun to describe anatomy um, and or physiological anatomy of one way or another. So, and, and is that a fairly, you know, while it's not always that simplistic, is that fairly, what was, would that be something you would agree with? I think pretty pretty generally there's you'll get a lot of people that will argue the fine distinctions around the edges but generally speaking what you've said is, is correct wonderful thank you okay so you um separated pretty much from the church and your wife uh several years before your intersex condition um became uh a, a factor in your life then correct Correct. I, I, I had a period of time uh, starting about 30 years ago that over maybe a four or five year period of time, my activity in the church uh, went from being maybe a, a 60% activity down to zero. And uh, uh, several years after that, for a variety of other reasons having nothing to do with the church, uh, it was appropriate for a divorce to occur in the relationship I had at the time. I then spent, uh, basically I've been single since then, uh, up until about uh, uh, nine years ago. I actually married, uh, having still a, sing a legal status of male, I married a young lady who had just graduated from BYU. That is definitely fascinating. Was so she, so was she very Mormon in her own beliefs at that time too, coming right out of an institution like that? Well, her last two years at BYU, she was out and proud on campus as a self-described lesbian. And uh, with them wanting to kick her out and her getting in front of the honor committee and saying, look, as long as I'm celibate, uh, I'm in the honor code and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, we got together uh, just within weeks after the time she graduated. And then six months later, we're married. We were married for several years. And she wanted to experience some things that weren't consistent with the married married relationship. And so we divorced, but we're still the dearest of friends and have a great relationship today. Before continuing with this very interesting interview with Tia, we're going to play a song off the Podsafe Music Network. This is, the name of the song is At Ease. This is by Jenny Dalton. Hope you enjoy. black and white stills all frozen in frames I cannot picture you in what has that place done to you do you want to go back do you want to be free or get away from me I just want to be safe and I'm wearing your takes like an undercover Safely sleep, like an undercover me. This guy is an angel. 
explain your uh, how the relationship has gone with the Mormon Church since for the early days you intellectually discovered that it was not a religion you really believed in, um, but you were socially... How did uh, explain how you socially escaped from Mormonism? Basically, it was um, moving to new communities where all my relationships, uh, business-wise and social, didn't rely on church-related connections, and uh, that was very freeing in and of itself. And what I discovered was a lot of those lifelong friendships that I'd had existed only because of mutual activity in the church. And uh, uh, so that was, that was really the freeing moment was just f- completely moving away from uh, and developing a whole new set of, of um, business and social relationships. Okay, so you fathered several children, and then uh, you had the, the prostate cancer, correct? And that, that's when it was dis- your intersex condition was discovered. Physiologically, it, it forced you to make some social changes then, correct? Actually, the social changes came about 15 years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so roughly about 15 years ago, what caused some other physiological changes, I had testicular cancer. And uh, so all of a sudden, the, uh, the male side of the equation was gone, but I still had fully functional ovaries. And uh, that, that were producing an egg, and that, that's, that's what's interesting, is you fathered several children, yet the entire time, without even knowing it, you had fully functioning ovaries that were producing eggs, and it, you were also, now there was some form of menstruation going on there too, wasn't there? There was, and if you look at my uh, skin, you will see all over my body uh, scarring, and the scarring came about from those years uh, that that was occurring, that I was going through menses, uh, that the body had to cast it off as a poison, it came out through my skin, and, and literally, I had uh, uh, scarring and, and uh, scabbing all over my, my entire body system. Because there was no natural outlet, as, was, as, as exists in an anatomical female. Correct. And uh, so, and, and when did this, did, did this start happening after the, the testes were removed? You started going through a female puberty? That's when that all no. took over? Yeah. The female puberty, actually, I went through a dual puberty, uh, both on the male and female side, in my teens. And uh, what happened, though, uh, in my 40s was that when the uh, testes were no longer there, it caused a lot of other, because there was no longer uh, testosterone counteracting and, and working against the estrogen. And actually, what took place in my 40s was a redistribution of body fats and breast development and all of that sort of thing. And that uh, opened up a lot of interesting social questions uh, because I could no longer go running around in T-shirts. And and, uh, uh, and it would also force some, some issues in the change of dress and all of that. 
So I went ahead and went with the female mode of clothing, which is confusing to a lot of people because my voice is obviously still very male. And uh, that won't change, and I have no intention of getting surgery or anything like that. I finally got to the point uh, of what allowed me to get through all of this and what I believe with some degree of mental health was that I got to the point of realizing that I like who I was. I like who I am. And I know that I contribute something. So I bring something to the party, whether it's a cocktail party or a business arrangement or any other social activity, I, I know that I contribute. And so by acknowledging that I contribute something and determining that I like who I am, I really have gotten to a place that I really don't give a damn what people think. And that I know, speaking for myself, and I'm sure a lot of trans people feel that way, that's, a, I think, a definite goal that a lot of us, especially those of us that will never completely pass, quote-unquote, it's, it's, a, it's a status that we want to get to is a, I don't give a fuck what people think stage. It's a, it's a very uh, healthy perspective. Um, now, there's been some social interaction with the Mormon church since you socially were kind of, since your body kind of forced you or pushed you in the direction of socially transitioning to female, there's been some interaction with the church, including a meeting with a former president and prophet of the church who's now passed on, Howard W. Hunter. You had a meeting with him while he was still, before he became Mormon prophet, correct? That's correct. That actually came about, our family had a variety of ties to President Hunter, and at the time, he was the senior member of the Council of the Twelve Apostles, and it was uh, a few years before he became president of the church. And uh, uh, that meeting was, I, I arranged for that meeting, not for my own benefit, but to try to bring some degree of um, acceptance on the parts of some of my family members. And we'll get back to what, what was said in that conversation, but... So you obviously, because your body forced you to socially transition, um, so some of your family didn't understand that and had some issues that were related to religion, correct? Uh, that would be a gross understatement. That <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's tremendous issues. I have uh, six brothers and sisters uh, there are four of them that I have not spoken with um, uh, in periods of time ranging from uh, 18 or 19 years to 15 years. And usually it seems like, now, at least nowadays for my generation, siblings are a lot easier to, to, to deal with as far as understanding issues like this than parents were. But in your case, uh, you know... Now, would you explain the relationship uh, that you've had with your parents as well? How how are things with your your parents, either if not now, but in the past? And well, my dad was an old Montana cowboy that was uh, really didn't have you didn't have discussions of substance with him about the only thing he ever wanted to talk about in his lifetime was hunting and fishing and wood carving. Uh, 
he didn't discuss issues beyond that. Uh, the last 10 years of his life, and he passed away several years ago, uh, the last 10 years of his life, uh, he was extremely hard of hearing, and there was no way to converse with him on the telephone. And so uh, the last time I saw him was about um, eight or nine years before he passed away. And he's been gone now for about uh, four or five years. How about your mother? My mother, she and I had huge, huge problems until about uh, three or four years ago. And at a particular point in time, in a tearful phone conversation, she wanted to know what I wanted from her. And uh, I asked her if she would indulge me to answer a few questions. And uh, one of the questions I asked her was, uh, did she really believe the Mormon church? And she was very fervent in saying she did. And I asked her if she really did her best to adhere to its principles. And she said that she did her best. And uh, that was her intention, was to do her best. And I said, well, based on what you just said, the Mormon church teaches that they allow all men, speaking in terms of mankind, uh, to worship how, who, and what they may. So my belief system is mandated. If one is a believing Mormon, they have to allow me to worship how I choose. And that was my mother's major issue, was that I wasn't following the Mormon uh, uh, principles and, and uh, processes. And since we had that discussion, uh, over the recent years, our relationship has gotten much better. And uh, uh, moving from being icy cold and judgmental into right on the verge of being warm. Wow, and see, and that's what's interesting about, there's a lot of people that feel like, I, I think there are people out there that generally want to be more accepting of people they can't understand, uh, but if there's something but that they believe about their religion, it almost, some people I think almost feel like, you know, for to accept a person that their religion teaches against uh, that, that's living in a way that their religion either preaches against or doesn't understand or what have you. They feel like they're breaking their, their rules of their religion when in reality to be loving and accepting in most religions is one of its primary, one of that religion's primary teachings. I've gotten to the point that when somebody tells me that they don't understand uh, my response typically is I'm delighted to hear that they don't understand because for them to express to me that they don't understand where my life is at tells me how normal they are, and I congratulate them for being so normal. <laughs> you, well, you know, and normal is definitely very su subjective in and of itself um, as a term. So... Needless to say, you've had problems with your family that are related to religion, which basically, because even though you no longer believed or was involved with the Mormon church, because of your relationship with your family, you had a discussion with the, the you know, the late Mormon prophet Howard W. Hunter before he became prophet. And, do, and tell, share with us what was discussed in that meeting with Howard W. Hunter. 
Well, basically, we had a four-hour meeting, but the real, the real meat of the discussion was my posing a question. And the question was based on the fact that up until 1978, uh, black members of the Mormon Church could not hold the Mormon priesthood. And, uh, and in fact, it was so dramatic that if you did your genealogy and it was determined that you had previously unknown black lineage, it would have been as if you had never received the priesthood. And the priesthood is basically it, kind of self-explanatory for those of you that are not familiar with um, Mormon belief and culture. It's basically the authority to act in God's name. And in Mormonism, men only have that authority. <laughs> and so with that as a preamble, uh, my question was, if it's determined that physiologically you are neither male nor female, or both depending on the perspective you choose to take, and you had previously been uh, given the Mormon priesthood, uh, and it determined that you're not either male or female, how does that affect your priesthood? And he gave an answer that I credit for having great integrity behind it. He said, I don't know. Which is in Mormon culture and probably a lot of uh, religions where the community is very tight-knit, uh, to hear a general authority, which is what the highest leaders in Mormonism are often regard called, to hear a Mormon general authority say, I don't know, it's not something you're going to hear publicly because the uh, you, my view of Mormonism is they like to create a facade that they have an answer for everything, um, and if you know, and because the the highest leaders are regarded as prophets, they should know everything. The rest of us don't have to know everything, but they have all the answers. At least that's how they come across. And in fact, they come across so sternly that it is often said that when the prophet speaks. The thinking has been done. And, and and that's the kind of culture that's created in a very, in a predominantly Mormon society, is you, 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 if you question what comes from the leadership in Salt Lake City, um, you are, uh, you know, you know you're, you're apostatizing if you question anything that's said. Uh, you know, you become branded as a disbeliever or or what have you. Now, when what was your response when he said, I, I don't know, how did your family, who probably saw Howard W. Hunter as a prophet, or very close to that, how did your family react when he said, I don't know on this issue? Actually, the interesting thing that came out of that whole conversation was I felt so good about having had the conversation uh, and even though I entered into the conversation in the first place and arranged for it specifically to be able to address issues with my family, uh, by the time I got through the four-hour conversation, I no longer felt the need to explain anything to my family. And so I never had that discussion with my family. Yeah, okay, so... Um, they obviously knew you met with the Howard Hunter, or did they not even know you met with him? Only one or only one or two are even aware that I met with him. Oh, interesting. Because 
you know, and that's interesting because, you know, if a Mormon prophet were to say to me, you know, I don't know, um, <laughs> I'd want to share that with everybody. <laughs> hey, they don't know everything, everybody. You know, and in Mormon culture, I think people understand, Mormon people understand that the, the leaders in the Mormon church are human also, but the idea is that, that there are humans that supposedly communicate with God, and I'm pretty sure if there is a God out there, and I don't know if it's a Mormon God or if the God has any kind of religious affiliation, I'm sure God understands all this. Well, actually, I've gotten to the place that I no longer feel a need to explain anything. I'm very open, and I'll talk about whatever people want to talk about, but I'm not driven by the need to try to prove who I am or explain who I am to anybody. Except for when you're talking to Rebecca Nay on Tranny Rec Radio. You know, I'm, like I say, I'm very open about talking, but I don't, I'm not driven by the need. Oh, absolutely. But I, 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 you know, and I do appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, discuss these issues. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with one final question. How has the, obviously you, you faced a lot of uh, harassment from society uh, because of your intersex condition and, and how you socially identify because of that. How has that helped you in the grand scheme of things become become the person you are today because you're a brilliant business person. Uh, you've had a lot of health issues in your life which have also uh, you know helped give you a fresh perspective on life. Uh, how has uh, all of this molded you into the person you are today? Over the years as I became less reliant on church, I became, I, I came to realize that I didn't particularly need a crutch. There's an interesting uh, similarity between the words church and crutch, uh, but I discovered I didn't really need a crutch to get along in life, and what I've done is I've accepted that I've been gifted with a, a good brain, and it was my task to learn how to use it. And uh, uh, once I acknowledged that I had something to bring to the table, uh, I, I've used that quite handily in my business affairs, and my clients are all the boards of directors of public companies, and they value what I bring to their table. Uh, I get to do it pretty much on my own terms. Uh, I tell people which accounts I'm willing to accept and which ones I'm not. And uh, I've just discovered that, uh, and I believe this very truly, that we're on this planet to learn to be self-reliant. And uh, what has happened in my life is I've determined I can't use the crutch of society and I can't use the social crutches. Uh, I have to learn how to be self-reliant. And the interesting thing is that by being independent and self-reliant, it has drawn my friends to me. So by cutting loose from friends and getting comfortable with who I am and becoming self-reliant, I attracted more friends and stronger friends than I've ever experienced in my entire life. Thank you, Tia, for joining me today on Tranny Rec Radio. You're sure welcome.
That's it, everybody. I want to thank my friend Tia, who I know will be listening to this, for taking the time to talk to me and tell her very important story. And it was just a privilege to have that story uh, told on here. Um, a couple of weeks ago, our, uh, I, an interview that I did with Peter Maverick from the Windy City Queercast, which was then Windy City Radio, uh, was played on the Chicago Airwaves. So, yes, this was my second time being on uh, what I call terrestrial or boring radio. Um, some people call it real radio, but I digress. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and play a couple of minutes of that interview now. And uh, obviously the reason you don't hear any cuss words is because of that good old piece of shit fucked up organization called the FCC. But it was a good interview in spite of that. So, uh... Hope you enjoy this little clip. <laughs> Rebecca, you have, the, you have this wonderful show that you've created called Tranny Rec Radio at trannyrec.com. Tell our listeners a little bit about what, what the show has and, and what your goals are for the, for the show that you've produced. Uh, there are really, if you want to break it down, there are two goals that I have with Tranny Rec Radio. And that is to educate and entertain and, you know, the, the education, it's kind of self-explanatory. I want people to understand what it's like to be a person in our society, whether that be transsexual, cross-dresser, intersex, or what have you. I myself identify as transsexual, um, male to female, uh, born born unfortunately with a male body and I'm trying to correct that but I, d I want people to understand what that is like and I want people to understand the reason people need to understand this is because every one of us looks through a, a, a gender lens mm -hmm. of either being male or female mm -hmm. and seeing everyone else as male or female and life is just not that simple Mm -hmm. and 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 once you realize that it enriches your life uh of course everything that i just said will put some people to sleep even though they need to hear it <laughs> so what i try to do is hook people into my show through comedy mm -hmm. um i don't consider my my show to be a comedy show but i consider my show to be a audio blog that has a lot of comedy in it mm -hmm. and uh you know and and one of the ways that I, I don't intentionally try to be funny but i consider myself to be a hopefully naturally funny person <laughs> um at least for those that are demented enough to listen <laughs> uh, i want to again thank uh peter from the windy city Queercast for giving me an opportunity to speak to his listeners or and uh, his co-host, Amy Matheny. Uh, I would encourage you to go check them out at uh, WindyCityQueerCast.com. The link will be in the show notes of my newly designed website at TrannyRick.com. Yes, ever since my Put a Bullet in Your Head show on Tuesday that I recorded, I actually have gotten some uh, energy and some inspiration finally finish my fucking website well it's not complete i've got a lot of fine-tuning and 
cosmetic shit to do, but trannyreg.com is now up and active as a WordPress site. So now you can go and comment on every show that uh, I post up there. Um, I'm also going to start blogging. So uh, if, uh, you know, I haven't figured out quite how the whole blogging with the RSS technology works. But uh, yes, after several months of headaches and heartache, because I'm not a technical person, I was able to get uh, trannyrec.com redesigned, and uh, I really like the new look. It's a lot cleaner, and I think it's a lot easier to navigate, and uh, I would love feedback from you on the new website. So please go to trannyrec.com and uh, check it out, and please leave uh, comments. It's really easy to leave comments if you've never done so before on a WordPress-powered site. You All you need is to put your name and address, and, just, and it'll leave an con- email address, and it'll leave a comment. Uh, the email addresses are not posted publicly, um, and, uh, it, you know, I'm the only one I think that sees those, and I'm not even sure about that, but you will not get spammed from leaving your email address. So uh, I, I just want to make that one more way that uh, you can interact with me and give me feedback. I think it's actually easier than sending an email personally. That's my favorite way to leave feedback for other shows that I listen to. So, again, trannyrec.com. Put a lot of work into it, and I'd love your feedback. Um, I'm just going to hash out a few emails here that I've gotten. That's some shout-outs. I'm not going to read them. First one I just got today from uh, Tim Barnes. He's doing a new show called Go Radio, GoRainbowRadio.com. I guess he just uh, gave me a shout-out on his third episode, and he's also a listener of this show. So uh, I'll try and I'll definitely put a link to his show in the show notes, and I'll also add it on to my Friends of Tranny Rec Radio column. So go RainbowRadio.com. Uh, check his show out. Um, let's see. Uh, Daniel, the producer of the Sister Paula podcast, uh, sent me an email just giving me some encouragement. Uh, and stating that, uh, you know, he uh, uh, he's just one of several people who anxiously can't wait for the next installment of Tranny Rec Radio. So, uh, Daniel, I, I love you so much, especially because you're deranged enough to look forward to these shows. Um, I actually got an email from a listener who is in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, and, uh, this person has, uh, this person, this guy has offered to, um, basically meet up with me when I'm in Bangkok to kind of, sounds like to me, he's just gonna, it'll be nice to have a local there to kind of show me the ropes of things that are going on there. And, uh, his name is, uh, well, on the email is Rito. And I, I really look forward to meeting you, Rito. They, and uh, let's keep the lines of communication open. That's fucking awesome. Um, let's see. I had another email. Oh, yes. I want I got an email from somebody who, from Trixie, who is one of the uh, forces behind a website called Tranny Force. And it, uh, basically it's a comedy film series. So check them out at trannyforce.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. 
Um, and uh, got another listener f- quite a while ago from somebody named Maddie, who, um, let's see here, just uh, tell him, giving me some encouragement and saying keep up the good work and saying uh, love the show. And uh, hi, Mary, I just wanted to give you a shout out as well. Um, and thank you so much for listening. And, uh, that's Mary from, it looks like she's a UK listener. That's all the email I'm going to, uh, read or shout out on. Uh, others that I've gotten seem to be more of a personal nature. So, uh, we're going to wind this show up. My email is trannyrec at gmail.com. My voicemail line is 503-60-USE-ME or 608-7363. We're going to go ahead and finish this up by a Podsafe Music Network song. This uh, And it's going to be a high-energy song to, to end the show. This is War of the Worlds by Uncle Bonehead. And until next week, I love all of you.